Innes Forgettance is a folk fantasy podcast set in an alternate Appalachia and faraway Celtic fort. You can help support me and this story by sharing it with your friends, posting on social media, or by clicking the link in the description to buy me a coffee. I'm glad you joined me this week, and stay safe out there in the woods. Previously on the Innes Forgettance, in the far and distant past, on the island of Innes Kellig, Elga, the storykeeper of her tribe, reflects on the sensitivities of her granddaughter, Brana. Human darkness has a strange and agonizing effect on the teenage girl, and Elga is worried that one day she herself will not be able to protect her granddaughter. Then, a surprise visit from an old former friend and priestess of the rival tribe offers a path forward. Brana and Elga in the past. Brana held Alis by one hand and Cormac by the other. The children beamed and cradled their new plant friends against their bodies. Their joy warmed her with the strength of two bonfires so she thought she might flit and fly upward like a leaf caught in their smoky plumes. Their joy protected her, too. Walking through the fort made her susceptible to those in her tribe with less stable spirits. Even traveling past the huts where those individuals lived made her feel as though some invisible part of her was being scrubbed with jagged rocks. Unbearable. And if she tried to endure the unbearable, or was forced to, she risked revealing her secret, her unforgivable flaw. Grandmother warned her to never, never, ever, ever let the tribe know about that. Joy, whether her own or the children's, acted as her amulet. Do they know how I need them? She thought. Do I clutch their little hands too tightly? when we pass the homes of Finian or Padraig or Monaghan. Do they notice? I will talk to her every day, promised Alice, bending her head low to kiss a tiny leaf. Me too, Cormac blew raspberries at his. No, Brana thought. They have no idea. They love it when we talk to them, Brana said. Keeps them pretty. My oldest sister, Siobhan, still has the godwit you gave her. You know Siobhan? Of course, Brana said. Siobhan had been her dearest friend when they were both small, but it hadn't lasted. After my unlocking, she was the first one I gifted a creature to, the little broken-legged Godwit. Alice gasped. Truly? Mm-hmm. A special day for both of us. A soreness radiated in her chest. She had treasured her kinship with Siobhan, 
but as they both grew, the differences between them gaped wider and wider. Eventually, both girls ceased to seek each other's company. Brana couldn't remember the last time she'd even seen Siobhan up close. She's gonna join hands through the wooden door with Dara at the Harvest Festival. A trial marriage, Brana said. How exciting! But Brana's own heart hammered at the thought. Do you think they'll keep each other after a year and a day? I hope so. Mother and father really like Dara. The children lived in a hut close to the entrance of the fort, unlike her own dwelling, located at the far end. Siobhan sat beside the entrance, mending a leather shoe in the light of the summer sun. She nodded in greeting, but Brana rushed past her and into the dwelling. Peace to you, Brana, savior and friend, peace. Serenity enveloped her from head to toe, so strong she knew it could only come from the purest of Earth's inhabitants. Her eyes darted around until she spotted the twig-legged, long-beaked bird perched on the ledge of a woven basket. It cocked its head and ruffled its speckled feathers in greeting. Beaming, she harnessed her thankfulness and directed it to the creature in silent greeting. Brana turned to Siobhan. He's so lovely and full. Siobhan gave a gentle smile and Brana's breath caught. Did she, too, appear so womanly to those around her? The drift between them seemed to scream of their invisible differences. Her own rhythm matched the hours of Aelis, Cormac, and the other small ones. She couldn't remember the last time she'd seen Siobhan closer than a passing wave across the fort. They had been scrappy, skinny children together, stringy heads of hair laced with grass due to their shared love for rolling down hills. Now Siobhan stood before her, a graceful young lady, preparing to be handfast. Alice tugged her sister's tunic. I told her about you and Dara. Yes, so exciting. Siobhan beamed. The sparkle of an idea flashed in her eyes. Brana could all but read it, and fear burrowed in her belly. She prayed her former friend wouldn't... Will you come to the festival? I know you never have because of all the people. And the Yerdat, said Brana. Yes, but we haven't argued outright in several years, Siobhan persisted. I can feel it, outright or not, Brana said. And it's unbearable. And besides, Grandmother would prohibit it. It would mean the world to me if you came, insisted Siobhan. Please. Brana's heart stung. Siobhan stood taller than her, but her tone sounded so much like the little girl she had once walked with, hand in hand, and her eyes still twinkled like all the small children's did when they waited expectantly to find out if something they wanted oh so desperately would finally be theirs. Her heart began to race. She loved Siobhan, but she couldn't do this for her. I have an idea! Brana jumped at Alice's shout. We will surround you with our plant friends. She held out her own in her cupped hands. They will protect you like you have protected them. Yes, Siobhan bent to kiss the top of her sister's head. Don't you think that would work, Brana? Brana twisted her tunic in her fingers. Siobhan pressed. You never know if you don't try. 
Taking a steadying breath, she came to Siobhan and hugged her around the neck. I love you, Brana said. She leaned her head on the girl's shoulder. I'll talk to Grandmother. Movement outside their hut's entrance caught Brana's eye. Siobhan whispered something, but Brana didn't hear it. Her gaze was locked on the cloaked figure limping through the fort's entrance. Twelve years was no matter. She'd know that form for the rest of her life. Kerba's mother. Rana charged across the fort, hugging herself tight as if her own embrace would protect her from any ill will she might tread past. She checked her forearms and was relieved. No pink shimmer of joy exuded from her skin, but no dark threads had either. Yet. She just had to get to the Triad Lodge. Ho, Brana, shouted Aiden, putting the finishing touches on one of his spears. Fair day today it is. But Brana felt what his cheerful words didn't say, the violence he visited upon his sweet wife. Fair day, Aiden. She clutched herself tighter until her nails bit into her sides. She just had to get to the Triad Lodge. The Wattle and Daub Longhouse stood in the center of the fort, and Brana rushed toward the entrance with no intention of stopping for the watch. Kiernan, recently unlocked and eager, reached for her. Everyone must state a name and intent, even you, Brana. She yanked her arm from his grasp and shot a pleading look at O'Malley, who had stood watch at the lodge for as long as she could remember. Leave her be, the older man said. Storykeeper's granddaughter is an exception. Kiernan released her and Brana shuffled silently inside, a practice she'd perfected since childhood. The air smelled of smoke and mugwort, the messenger plant, grandmother's doing. She crept closer, heel-toe, heel-toe. Ever since his unlocking, murmured a woman's voice. He is more broken than ever. You have to help us. I feel like I've lost my son. Under fire glow, Brana discerned grandmother standing by the lanky shape of Abin, the locksmith. She squinted, making out the full form of Linon, weaver of beautiful tapestries, and her son, Seamus. Silently, Brana tallied the years since she'd shared the intense young man's company. Even as children together, she'd shied away from him, fearful of his outbursts. He must be nineteen or twenty now. Seamus knelt on the floor and rocked over his knees, clutching his head and murmuring. He was much changed or much afflicted. She didn't know which. There is a period of adapting to one's gifting, Abin said, plucking at the keyhole-patterned embroidery on his dark gray tunic. Not like this, and you know it, snapped Linan. I thought his unlocking would heal the agony he daily fought, not make it worse. He is incapacitated for most of his waking hours. Whatever his gifting is, looks nothing like I see among the rest of us. Do something. The mother's desperation and suffering crept over Brana like a nest of new hatched spiders. 
Reflexively, she hugged herself tight. I shouldn't be here, she thought. I shouldn't be seeing this. What to do? The young man continued murmuring and rocking. Abin draped an arm over Linan's shoulders. Breathe, breathe, he said. What seems a brokenness to earthly eyes can be a benefit when our spirit eyes are open. The calm sound of his voice was laden with wisdom beyond his thirty-something years. Brana's breathing slowed along with Linan's. What we need, continued Abin, is understanding, Elga. Grandmother stepped forward, the bowl of slow-burning mugwort in her hands. She swept it around Seamus, a circle around his head, a circle around her own. Then she cupped it at her breast. Her lips moved, mouthing a prayer. The air around them began to shift, a memory taking shape. Figures in ancient dress, holding carven spears crusted with dried blood, materialized throughout the lodge. Linan's terror spiked inside Brana's heart, so she clutched her own chest and backed against the wall. Seamus didn't move, but his mutterings grew louder. It isn't our home. Go, 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 go. To encourage the memory stronger, Grandmother whispered and weaved her way through the figures with her bowl. The smoke spiraled, creating a circle dance. You don't listen. Seamus rocked and spoke in a tinny sing-song. You don't hear me when I say we can't stay. Can't stay here. He covered his face and released a deep sob. Can't stay in our home. Sorrow bubbled in Brana's chest until tears trickled and dripped down her nose. She took tiny breaths to silence her cries. The figures, ancestors, rallied, walked forward, though they appeared to be walking in place within the lodge. The triangular bow of small ships sharpened until the room filled with a fleet. Brana could hear the voices of her ancestors beginning to gain volume. The language rattling from their tongues was older, grittier, the great-grandfather of her own tongue. A woman ran forward, hair like matted wool, urging her people into the ships. Go, go, she urged. In tandem, Seamus whined. Go, go. Separated by hundreds of years, they chanted their urging like music. The ancestors clamored into the boats and pushed off, riotous waves rocking them farther. Farther, farther, tears rolled down the woman's cheeks, her neck strained with agony. She pressed her hands to her chest as if to stay a gush of invisible blood. Seamus leaped to his feet and clutched his own heart. My heart! It's ripping! It rips out our heart to leave again! Brana's breathing accelerated. She fought to slow it down. But when she looked at her hands, she saw the dark haze vibrating from them. No, she thought. This can't happen. This can't happen. Lean on, charged grandmother. Make it stop. Make it stop, you witch. She snatched the bowl and threw it. 
shattering it against the wall. You're torturing him! She fell to her knees, sobbing. Hyperventilating, Brana collapsed to the floor, her vision blurred, eyelids heavy as armor. She vaguely saw Grandmother and Abin rush and kneel beside her. Vaguely heard Seamus intone, It is her, the Everchild, will make us leave. The Innis Forgettance was written, narrated, and produced by me, Leah Noel, with special appearance by David Walker. The original song, Beware the Never Seen, was written, composed, and performed by Georgia musicians Miles Landrum and Lorelei. You can find links to more of their excellent music in the show notes. Sound effects came from the kind folks at freesound.org. You can follow this podcast with behind the scenes and more on Instagram and TikTok at Leah with a pen. Ooh-hoo.